Hi, friends. I'm Mandy. And I'm Missy. And we're the Wayward Homesteaders. In this podcast, we will talk about homesteading and homeschooling. We will cover topics like food preservation, gardening, unschooling, and all the things we enjoy doing with our families. Grow with us as we talk about creating a homestead full of poop, plants, permaculture, and everything in between. Hey everybody, this is Mandy from Chapel Forge. This is Missy from Homesteading Room. Today we're going to be talking about dealing with loss. So we're going to address dealing with animal loss like on your homestead and then dealing with people loss and how that can affect your homestead. So Missy's going to start, she's going to talk a little bit about pets versus livestock and things like that and as they start to get into having livestock and whatever. So go ahead. A lot of people, I know, like Mandy at this stage, because we don't have animals yet, gets questioned or, you know, comments are made as to how can you raise that animal from a baby into an adult animal and then process it, kill it, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there a lot goes into it, too. Like, when, you're, when we're purchasing animals or um, cows or whatever it may be for our homestead, we don't purchase it with a pet mind frame mindset I guess I should say um we know that 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 the point of having and raising and taking care of and um offering proper care for those animals is because in turn they're going to feed our family um like I think Justin Rhodes is the one who says you know something something must die for me to live you know and like just a lot of people when they're not really into it they think well that's morbid you know why would you go into it thinking like that well it's the whole food chain thing, you know, something must die for another thing to live, you know, as far as, like, down to, like, rats and mice and cats and birds and, you know, all of that. Right, exactly. Um, right, like, anything that you grow is a living thing, um, but you have to go into that with the mindset that this is not a pet. Like, I think somebody made a comment this morning or something, well, okay, we have a dog, you know, and you have a dog as a pet. Well, okay, we bought him as a pet. We didn't buy him as. Oh, we were talking about naming. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Naming about naming your end. We don't name like we're we don't plan on naming. I'm gonna name my cow, my dairy cow. I name my goats. Right, and like I'll probably name our steer, but I'm not naming my chickens. Right. Like, I, I don't go that far, and honestly, like naming them, you know, like you're often we'll talk about them, so I'm not gonna be well, like the dairy cow in my in my. Well, it's not even practical. How am I gonna name seventy chickens? Well, right. and a lot of people. Who are in our realm, our lifestyle? They they make it fun. Like I know some people. Like the one pig is named Bacon. The other right. one's named Sausage. Right, the, exactly. The steer is named Ribeye. Right. Like you we're know. not naming them with like cutesy names that like oh remember when Helen was <laughs> producing milk or you know what I mean? Like we'll name be like hey did you guys like to the kids did you guys feed Betsy. Betsy right. this morning, like, you know, so they know what we're talking about, like that kind of right. thing. Um, but yes, we don't go into this getting, we're getting 20 some chickens thinking, okay, this one's going to be Bob, Joe, Sue, and you know, right. all well, that kind of thing. Like, right. like, did you feed the chickens? Did you feed the meat birds? Did you, you know, like we are not going into the, did you feed Bob, Joe, Sue, and Ann this morning? You know, like that kind of thing. You have to have a mindset and honestly, like, I feel like you have to do that for your sanity. Because if you go and get attached to all these animals that you, the reason for purchasing them was to pro- provide food for your family, like, you're going to have a sad day every 
six right. to eight weeks when you or yeah six to eight weeks for meat for meat right? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. every time you go to process your meat birds and who wants to have that conversation or that emotional roller coaster every so often so when you're purchasing these animals you're not purchasing them to be oh, i'm going to cuddle them and snuggle them and right. you know they're that not, kind of thing they're, they're not going to jump in bed with right, like, right they're providing food they're they have a purpose and their purpose is and to provide kids that. right provide food for your family and it goes back to the whole knowing where your food comes from that's the uh, big you hit the nail on the head that's the problem right. like a, a lot of people have that disconnect where i'm going to go to the store and i'm going to buy chicken um, you know, because I don't have to worry about or think about the whole butchering process. Okay, I don't have well, to see its face. Right. And, like, whether you're worrying about that or thinking about that, like, it happened, and you're eating it. You're just supporting a bigger corporation. And I can guarantee stuff. you that chicken was a lot sadder than the chickens I'm oh, raising absolutely. in my backyard. Right. Like, I know how, like, my beef cattle's going to be raised. It's going to be raised with love. It's going to be treated to royalty. You know Room I mean? to roam. Right. The best, the best way that I could treat that animal versus going to Walmart or Giant and purchasing ground beef there that the the beef was, you know, scared to death before it was killed, treated in a bad manner. And I'm not saying... Temple Grandin is a great right? movie. Yes, okay, everyone yeah. needs to watch the Temple Grandin movie. It's so good. She's going to be a speaker at uh, Homestead Festival. Homestead, Homesteaders of America? Um, Homestead they oh. call it the Homestead Festival, but in June at Rory's, and mm. I'm, I'm like, we're going. I'm yeah. Going. There's oh, a bunch of speakers. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Um, yeah, everyone needs to watch that movie and, like, her philosophies, and it's, it's amazing. But, you know, knowing that these animals coming into my property are not going to be my companions, you know, they'll be well taken care of and they'll be loved and they'll be treated to the best of our abilities. Well, they're, they're, but they're, gonna, they're giving right, their life for you right, to live. Right, exactly. Like, they're giving their life for me to live. Um, there's something else I was going to say and I just totally forgot about it. Uh, oh, and like, a lot of people, you know, it's big on the homesteading front now where people have livestock guardian dogs. Well, those livestock guardian dogs are treated completely different than their in-house pets. You know, they're... Not they don't, worse. But no, they, no, no. They, they, they right. have a they purpose. They're working. They're right. not a, yes. you know, laying on your lap petting them. Right. Their purpose is dog. to protect the animals that are out on your land. You know, so they don't come in the house and get, like, loved on and whatever. Honestly, like, a lot of people just say you just kind of ignore them. Not right. in, Like, ignore them in a way that you're not meeting their needs or taking care of them. You're, you're not going but, out and playing fetch with right, them. Right. That's and... not their purpose. Their purpose right. is to protect. And that's what you bought them for. And that's what the need is on your homestead is to protect your animals during the night or whatever from predators. So you have to set your mind for what that animal's going to do, what that animal's job is. So that animal's job is to provide food for my family. That animal's job is not to be my companion and um, be a support, emotional support or that kind of thing. So that's basically where I'm coming from with right. being able to, and not, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's hard. I'm not, I'm not willing to butcher um, our chickens or any of that. Like I, you know, I'll find a trusted uh, butcher and take them there and, you know, know the ways of how they do it, but not that it's going to, like, upset me because I'm so close to these chickens or whatever, but it's just, I'm more of a, okay, if somebody else is trained to do this and they can do it better... And we may get to the point where we do it. Like, we've talked about going in together and buying the butchering equipment and whatever, and I would love that experience for the kids because there's so much great school in there. We're just not there yet. Yeah, exactly. So... 
Okay, so as far as animal loss on our homestead, so I I am usually pretty transparent about this on Facebook. I did a, a YouTube video on we lost our entire meat bird flock, 30 chickens we lost this year and to a turkeys. predator and then turkeys. Um, it was when Missy was there, and there's also a really high-quality YouTube video about our <laughs> hellish vacation when Missy came. She got COVID, and... I was way... Dad wasn't home and all these animals died and the AC stopped working and we had no freaking water pressure. It was whatever. It was a nightmare. The Lord redeemed us and she came home and it's all fine now. Um, so anyway, um, the other, like for me, I guess the biggest loss I had this year was I wanted to raise heritage turkeys. I wanted to have my own source of turkeys that I didn't have to rely on a hatchery or tractor supply or whatever to get turkeys every year. Um, they're super cool. They're much more wild than commercial turkeys. Um, but my boy died. I only had one boy. I think I got seven when I started. I lost two and then my boy died no sorry i lied i lost one and then my boy died so we took five to the butcher they came out much smaller than the commercial turkeys which i knew was going to happen but i was super excited to have our own meat source in turkeys and to be able to grow turkey eggs because you can't really <laughs> well, find turkey we were eggs. getting an egg that we thought was one of our free-range chickens that was laying in the turkey room. later i learned it was turkey not until after they were the tom was gone the Jake was gone, did we realize it was turkey eggs, not chicken Had eggs? I known, live and learn, had I known, I potentially could have incubated some of those eggs and got more boys, but I didn't know, and we'll try again next year. So, and I also, I also just did a video about would I raise heritage turkeys again, and I'm not sure yet, stay tuned. I, they, like I said, they're a lot smaller. But when I lost that boy, I mean, that meat source was gone. So there's a good conversation here, too, about diversifying your livestock in that okay we're not putting and a lot of this has to do with your space and resources and whatever but that we didn't put if i would have put all my huh, eggs in one basket and put all all of my time and effort into heritage turkeys i would have been in a sore spot but you know we had other meat sources lined up and whatever well and we had the white broad breasted that we were raising at the same time right um, I've lost many chickens along the way, whether they spontaneously died, whether Zad had to take them out because they were being an asshole or whatever the problem was. I've lost tons of chickens over the time. Um, I, I am not one of those people that like decorates my chicken coop and snuggles my chickens and all that garbage. My chickens are there to work for me. I'm not there to snuggle them. I could care less if they honestly, I'm going to catch flack for this, but I don't really care if I can pick up my chickens and we can sit there and have a conversation. Like I'm going to go out there and feed them and gather their eggs and make them a really great coop and move along. The only time I would say it'd be nice to be able to walk up to it and pick it up is when you're needing to separate them or right. check them out to see if they're still producing or not versus them being on like our side, more of a wilder side and you're not able to catch them until they're like roosting. That's the only time that I would me personally like to see them be more right domesticated i guess you would say so and then you know most of you know that i have goats if i lost so our goats do have names we have three goats twilight cosmo and venus twilight is going to be bred here in january and this will be her eighth pregnancy she had two girls in the spring so they'll get bred this fall um if i lost one of my goats i mean that could be i don't want to say catastrophic but you know goat milk soap is an income income stream for us i have a lot of people that really love our goat milk soap um and so if i got it, it to a point health wise too if i got to a point where i couldn't 
get milk. I ran out of milk that I have frozen to do syrup or whatever. That could be disruptive to our homestead. Um, so my goats really only have names because when I got the goat, it already had a name. And then really just for distinction so that we know who is who, um, you know, they're registered and all that kind of stuff. So for that purpose, but I don't name my stupid chickens. I have 60 or 70 chickens and they don't have names because it's just not realistic. We had a smaller flock. The kids named them and that was for them. They, right, that, it was that's cute. That's what they wanted to do, and, you know, it wasn't like you called the name the chicken came to you. Right. All right, so um, Missy's going to talk a little bit about her kind of plan here for the spring. She's planning on raising lavender Orphingtons, and so sort of the same conversation about the turkeys, and, like, if you lost your only boy, you sort of would have to start over. Right. So our plan is to get, we have a couple different breeds coming, um, Lavender Orpingtons are kind of hard to find They're kind of rare. In, in this area. Yeah. Um, so we have found that Mifflin Agway up here does get an order in March. And my thoughts were, well, that would be fun to get, you know, a couple females and a male or two and keep them separated from our other layers so that we could keep, you know, and eventually if it turns into like a, a you know, selling them, whatever, but we could keep an ongoing supply of the lavender orpingtons i just think they're really cool they're so looking. cool um the egg color that they lay it's like a some lay like a, a light brown some lay like a which is weird a brownish like purple tinged yeah it's, it's really cool but um they're one of the more hardy ones too for cold colder climates um and it can get pretty cold like it was like right negative mm-hmm. 30 something here last week uh so I think it's going to be, like, I'm not going to name them either, but we're going to, you know, be able to distinguish. We're going to do the, um, the... Chickshaw? The chickshaw, and then we're going to rotate. So, like, we might be, like, the lavender girls or something. Like, the lavender girls need to go here today, where the other ones need to go here. But, you know, just being able to distinguish the difference in them, because I would want to keep them separated from the other ones so that they're not fertilized, the lavenders aren't fertilizing, um you know, the other eggs, and then we don't have a true lavender um, supply. So, you know, but like I said, I'm only going to have probably five or six to start, and I'm not going to name them because their purpose is not... And if you lost your boy, you'd have to be seeking out another boy. And unfortunately, if you wouldn't lose him till June, you might be shit out of luck, and you can't get another one until next year. Well, you'd have have their eggs, but you wouldn't have fertilized eggs. Right, 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 right. Um, okay, babe, so talk a little bit about, um, I touched on dispatching the birds or whatever, but just so that process, you know, some people are probably like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you can just kill a chicken or whatever, but so talk about that and... So, you know, I was raised up in a house where we did hunting and some fishing. My dad wasn't a huge fisher, my grandfather was, but, you know, something he taught me was when we'd be deer hunting and we'd harvest a deer, you know, we would take something green leaf or fern or something place it in its mouth and you know say a prayer over it and thank it for giving its life to us so that we could live so you know when i'm going out and i'm dispatching our older chickens that aren't producing or some a chicken that got damaged you know broke its leg or something um or if the root some we've, we've had some roosters that mean were just downright mean to mandy and the kids and would chase them or try to attack them when they come into the the run um you know it's not i i don't get 
joy out of it and I don't get, you know, I don't feel great about it because I'm, you know, killing something, but it's the circle of life and, you know, they've served their purpose for us and now it's time for them to go. And so, you know, I try to do it as humanely as I can that I'm not, you know, shooting it or whatever. And then it's laying there suffering. I try to make sure that it's, you know, instant death, that they're not having any pain or suffering and that it's just quick and to the point. And then at that same rate, then I'm taking that now carcass and disposing of it in a way that it's going to still give to our homestead. So and I know somebody's going to ask this question. Yes, you can make a stew hen out of it. You can throw it in, yeah. a, you know, you can pluck its feathers and do all that junk and whatever. And we would do that except that, frankly, at this stage of our life, I would, I'm really at peace with just composting well, and, it. and it makes sense if you're taking, let's say, 15 For of, sure. of your 30 flock that's have now no longer aged laying. Aged out. <laughs> and have, has aged out and taking them and doing it all one time. But to process a chicken, one or two, it's quite an extensive operation on the homestead itself. When you For a couple pounds of meat. When you don't any of the equipment, like... The, the the feather and the scald tank and all that it's quite a process it's just not worth our time and cost into doing that so what we'll do in this day and age at this stage is i'll take the compost pile that i have that's on the ground i'll pull it back i'll put it down in the bottom and i'll put the compost back on top it's giving us back giving to us again in the form of it being broken down and putting nutrients into our soil that we're making. And then that's going on the garden. I, I do that because if I just throw it on top, then I could have predators like foxes, coyotes, raccoons coming onto the property and going after that carcass. And then they get that taste and they go after our live flock. And I don't want that. So by putting it at the bottom of the compost pile, it helps it break down quicker and it masks the smell and they break the, down of the dead carcass way faster than you would think yeah and, I, and it masks the, the smell of the carcass so that it protects the rest of our livestock from potentially being targeted we learned this actually from homesteading family i saw a video that josh had done about it and i was like oh this is fascinating and they actually don't compost whole birds but when they're done processing their meat birds whatever is left feathers and whatever they process they put all that in their compost and i said is that i was like why don't we just whenever we have one that dies off or whatever the other hesitation we've always had is if it spontaneously dies yeah, why did why? it spontaneously die i don't know that i necessarily want to eat it yeah, um is there, is there something in that that killed that bird that then could maybe not kill us but make us very sick yeah and not knowing there's a better peace of mind by just composting it because whatever there that would have been bad, by the time we actually get to using the soil, it's already gone and not going to harm us. And on our homestead, as most of you know, we're fairly new to goats. Like, we only got goats in March, so we have not had to put down a large animal yet. I'm sure when we get to that point, that's going to be like a whole different conversation. Um, so, stay but tuned goat, when we get goat there. meat is a thing. And in True. other countries, it's just That's like probably what we'll do, too, is harvest here. it for its meat. So, you know, if, you know, we don't have somebody that wants a, a pet goat that just they wanted to take care of the weeds and the brush on their property and they just want something for that, not for the milk, 
side of things, then maybe we'll sell it for that. Maybe we'll just take it to the butcher for a locker. Yeah. Uh, a locker goat. Yeah. Locker goat. All right. So um, we also wanted to address in this podcast just about the disruption that people loss can have on your homestead. You know, you have a lot going on, maybe not this time of year, it's maybe not as busy, but especially spring, summer, fall, you know, you have a lot of moving parts on a homestead, especially if you're running a business, especially if you're homeschooling and raising animals and a garden and food preservation and whatever. And, you know, a lot of the time, I'd say three quarters of the year, everybody's got jobs all the time. There's always something going on, always something that's needing done. Um, And if you don't have all of your moving parts, then things can fall apart really quickly. So Jeremy's going to talk a little bit about uh, people loss. Yeah. So, you know, uh, like Zach said, uh, I'm probably going to say some things that if my family are listening they're they're gonna either hear it from the first time or not believe it but um you know when when dad and i when i started hunting with dad uh we always said the harvest prayer and then we thanked the lord for you know providing us with the harvest and then um growing up on a on a homestead where we had, you know, pets like horses. Uh, sorry, Jamie and Carrie and Brittany, but I I am the one that put down uh, some of the horses. And it's always harder when you have that bond, you know, especially with a horse that you're, you know, taking care of day in and day mm-hmm. out versus, you know, chickens where like Missy said, I'm, who's going to name 70 chickens? And yeah. Remember, oh, yeah, the that one there with the... Right. <laughs> I agree. Putting a horse down, for me, was definitely harder than putting down the chickens. Right. Or the turkeys. Yeah. You know. The less interaction with an animal you have, you know, when you go hunting... Horses, you kind of create a bond with. Right. Versus right. a chicken. So well, like, I would say a dairy animal is the same. Like, well, when you yeah, guys get it, to the point of... Yeah, because you're hands-on with the dairy animal. Right. I mean... Well, there, there's a saying, like, with, for horses, the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man. Right. And you have the worst day, and I've experienced it, you have the worst day, you get on that horse, and you feel a million times better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when you're hunting, you're not interacting with that deer. You, you've never seen that deer before. And when you pull the trigger and you've taken the harvest it's there's not the same feeling as where it's a horse or a dog or or you know a dairy cow um but it was always very important to my father that no matter what what you harvest that you should always give thanks because that animal in some way shape or form is either providing for you or emotionally help you mm-hmm. through a situation um or just you know you're having a, like you said a bad day and you walk into the barn and there's all these animals and they put a smile on your face or, or make your feelings feel better so there's always something with you know harvesting meat chickens or goats or or, or beef or steer or whatever that that you know that animal is providing you or has provided you with something in your life that you must be thankful for. And 
you know, it, it's just now that you know dad's not here anymore, it's it's hard to it's hard to carry on that tradition without you know not thinking of what you learned and what it truly means now because that person's not here to say to ask you know how do you do this or how do you do that and it's just i don't know it's 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 uh it's hard and you know now that we have this this homestead or our way of life that that one person that taught you all this stuff it's uh it's hard it's just you know dad's only been gone not even two years and uh it's just it's it's hard (laughs) i um spoke in other podcasts about like my dad and my dad was a dairy farmer his whole life and um for him he's been gone six years um like he's one of the main people that I wish was still around as we're starting this adventure with having a dairy cow and um you know just beginning this process and how proud he probably would be that we're you know living this lifestyle and um he would be a support and he would be full of knowledge I mean my dad you know lived through cows like cows were his life I mean he so many hours of his life he devoted taking care of cows and he has funny stories and he has sad stories and you know if there's anyone that I would go to with a question it would have been him like as far as cows are concerned and it's like now you know he's not here and I don't have him I still feel like I'm sort of carrying a little bit of him along in this process and not that you know he's gone not that makes it easier but just knowing that like what kind of life he lived and like I'm gonna have one cow versus you know however many he you know milked in a day but like I remember going with him like I would ride my bike he'd go to work and I'd get up in the morning then I'd ride my bike down to the dairy farm and I'd spend like an hour or two with him like helping you know clean the cows put the machines on um, when they're done you know getting them out making sure they go where they're supposed to go and like he loved that like when we would just show up at the milking parlor it was like this huge smile on his face and he just loved you know that we cared about something that meant a lot to him so like with this process and this lifestyle that we're um growing from here it's it's sad and it is hard without them being here but i mean I guess part of it is we're carrying them with us and they don't realize what they taught us when we thought we were just going there to play and spend time with dad. The stuff we've learned now, like we can use for our family and you know, it. Something you've mentioned to me before is that your dad, you knew that your dad loved you, but like he worked a lot. So he wasn't always there. And when you were saying like, if he was here, I think, you know, at this point I assume he'd probably be retired and right. whatever. Um, he would probably love the fact that you guys try to maximize your time as a family right. and that, you know, I feel like we as parents, our parents for us, whatever, always want better than they had. Like your dad did the best that he knew to do. Exactly. But now that you've figured out a way to do it, 
that you can do it as a family. I'm sure that... Well, right, and family was always, like, his biggest pride because, you know, growing up he had none. Like, he, right. you know, what little family he did have was so disruptive um, that, like, he took so much pride in his family. And it wasn't... Times weren't easy, uh, you know. I mean, we... Like, going to McDonald's was, like, Christmas morning to us, you know. But, like, we had what we needed, uh, my parents provided for us. We lived great lives. We have awesome memories. And, you know, like like Mandy said, you know, I know that my dad loved me. And that there was a lot of times when my dad wasn't there for, you know, my first softball game or whatever. But it was because he was either working or he was sleeping because he had just come off shift or, you know, whatever. So it, it's hard processing those kind of losses when, like, this kind of stuff runs so deep in your family and like your family traits um like I wish my dad was here so I could be like hey dad you know like which cow's gonna be best to like get the most milk and cream from or like hey dad my cow's running a fever like what do you think's going on you know that kind of well, stuff well he like, would have been he would have been able to look at that cow and go it's this right exactly. instead of going okay uh could it be this could it be this could it be this right. and us googling a hundred things right. oh that didn't work try this it didn't work right and like he, he, he knows never, some like, old school remedy that right and he never like shielded us from like things that most people would be like oh there's blood like there was times when i went to milk with my dad and like one of the teats were infected or whatever and he just like showed me how you pull it down you cut it off and you go on about your day like and there would be like blood or whatever gushing out and i'm standing there like how could you do that but like that's the best thing for the animal like that that's what needed to be done he showed me and it was just like you know that's just the way of farm life but yeah it's like you know there was a in in our pasture at home at mom and dad's there was always this one bush along the the fence row and dad was like you know when you're mowing and weed eating don't trim it down just let it go and i finally found out the the story behind this bush is when my older sisters and mom wanted horses that i couldn't tell you what it, the name of the bush but the stems of it are rock solid and it's it's hollow and he said the reason i planted that is if these horses ever get sick or they get bloated like a cow that you could use stick it in them and it'll let release the air out so he planted that bush or that tree or shrub or whatever it was for a particular reason to me it was just an ugly old stupid bush and these are the things we are not going right. to google think, and learn i think it's time to uh is it propagate where you take right. a piece of it and, yeah. and regrow it yeah, or transplant. transplant the whole thing yeah. so we all could have one. to here because that might be yeah. something worth having on this homestead now that right. there's nothing there right. but that's just the knowledge and the thinking of right. the old way that a lot of the old way is now well and and, and a vet at your mom mm-hmm. that the homestead there is a couple hours away right yeah. on a good day good weather mm-hmm. so being able to take care of something on your own your dad was had the right. foresight to think about that ahead of time yep like not that we can't youtube this stuff or google stuff but like i my if my mom had animals as a kid i don't know but you know whenever i have food preservation questions or even missy has food preservation questions we're like oh let's go ask mom like because she's gonna know because she did a ton of food preservation with her mom she did some when i was a kid she still does some now they're big on food storage and whatever so if we ever have questions like that 
I don't need to go to Google and try to type in my question 50 different ways. Like, I just right. go ask mom. And, you know, Zad doesn't have his dad yeah. to go ask about deer hunting or Jeremy ask his well, dad about I mean, a horse or this or whatever. My dad wasn't, I mean, we did very, very small scale, you know, garden and homesteading per se. But, you know, I lost my dad 24 years ago. And he worked in construction pretty much his whole life, was a superintendent foreman and all. There are so many times that I've had a construction structural question about a building or our house or our barn that I don't have. Or just projects that we could have used his help with. Yeah, that he, he could have made it so much quicker or easier. Because math better. is not your thing. Angles yeah. and all that, Zad stresses so much about and that kind of stuff. That stuff just was so easy for my dad. But I don't have him, and you know I still have all of his tools, and you know the construction encyclopedias and that kind of stuff that I was able to hold on to, but that still doesn't equal to the wealth of knowledge and experience that I could just make the phone call to my dad and say, "Hey, I'm having an issue with this, or can you come over and help me with that?" And I'm getting to dig into this project that I'm probably over my head in can you help me with it? You know, I have my godfather, but my godfather and my father... Their skills are different. Way two different skills. And, you know, he's there as support, but he doesn't have the knowledge and the experience that my dad had in construction. So, for me, I don't know how many times Mandy and I have been in something, and I'm like, I wish my dad was here because he would know what to do, or he would have already done this, or he'd know how to do this, and I just don't have that. Or just, just for him to be here sitting on a stool supervising yeah. right yeah and, and, and you know it, it's like it's like if he were here what would he say uh, i mean i can hear dad oh, i should be doing it this way jim <laughs> come on jim do it this way but just to have that you and, know and i have been blessed that you know jeremy's dad was pretty much in the same trade and jeremy was lucky enough to have him for more years than i had my dad so when I go into these kind of things, a lot of times I'm calling Jeremy because I'm using him from the wealth of knowledge that he got for the years more that he had his dad than I had mine. I mean, we're about, what, a year apart? So, yeah. you know, he had 24 years more with his dad than I did. So he was able to gather a little bit more information and know-how than I was able to. So I think, um, you know, the loss has short term and long term, you know, in the short term, you know, a loss happens and you still have that pressure of, I have kids to care for. I have a home to care for. I have animals to care for. But then in the long term, like with these three, you know, they're trying to, okay, did they ever teach me this? Can I remember how to do this? Or am I just stuck and I'm going to have to either teach myself or, you know, whatever, um, so yeah, loss on a homestead is a lot, especially, you know, we're getting into some thick projects, you know, raising a dairy cow is, is not just something you just pick up overnight. Like there's a lot of things Missy's gonna, she'll either research or things she may have picked up from her dad. Um, but like she said, it's not like she can just text him and say, Hey dad, the cow is X, Y, Z. What's your thoughts? I mean, you could put your two cents in on what happened a year ago or what almost happened a year ago. What almost happened a year With ago? Me. On the homestead. Oh, good God. Right. So, you know, Zad has a heart attack and right. Not just talking about parents, but like, you know, Zad has a heart attack and I'm thinking now at that point I didn't have goats. We have goats because of the heart attack. Um, (laughs) but 
you know, I had three kids to care for, and there's a, there's a lot friggin' going on at our house. You know, we have a lot of birds. Um, I have a huge garden. We have a business to run, you know. In the middle of our busy season. What Zad does for our business brings in way more money than what I do for our business. You know, fire pokers and shovels and custom fab work are way more lucrative than soap and wooden ornaments, you know? So I'm like, oh my God, can I like sustain this? Am I going to have to sell this house and we're all going to move into a two bedroom apartment because, you know, what am I going to do? Drop three kids at my mom's every single day? Like I can't, whatever. Would my mom have stepped up and done it? Probably. But to ask her to watch three kids. And at that point, Zuzu was only six months old, still nursing every two hours. So yeah, spouse loss, I don't even want to think about it. I already had to think about it once. I don't want to think about it again. Um, but so anyway, there can just be a lot of, and this, you know, Missy and I have had this conversation many times about the community mindedness and just having your people and like maybe semi-jokingly, Missy and I have often talked about, okay, well, if this person dies, are we all moving here? If that person dies, are we all moving there and whatever? But like in a, on a serious note, that, you know, we... If Jeremy dies, Missy's not just going to stay here and take care of this homestead by herself. Either she's coming with me or I'm coming here. And if Zad dies, you know, whatever. Like, we're going to have to... We're not going out there. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just a whatever. We're all four going together. Oh, no God. What. Right. We're all going to die in the same car at the same time. One for all and all for one. Good God. <laughs> the four musketeers. So, anyway... As always, we hope that, you know, maybe this one, maybe you didn't learn something as much as maybe this conversation just resonates with you if you've had loss or I'm sure. Or helps you get through something that you've been battling. If you're dealing with loss, you know, just, you know, know that you're not alone and and feel free to reach out because one of my biggest problems is is I'll bottle everything up and then, you know, it'll eventually come out because you can only bottle so much up and hold so much in and... You and Zed share this treat. Mm-hmm. And there's ways to to deal with that. And for me, it's talking about it, whether I get teary-eyed or angry or whatever. But it, it's just know that you're not alone. And, and we're here to to point you in a direction or, or an ear to listen. So, All right, guys. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time. Bye, friends.